Hi, I'm Eric, also known as v 47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape Podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. It's Morphin Time! Today on Ranger Command Power Hour. I'm not going to do video. That's fine. Oh, thank God you did that. I had no idea what a wave was. No, I just meant like... <laughs> Send me a message so I can like put everyone in here. I'm old, Eric. You have to do. I, I sent you a message, Eric, just with wave question mark. Yeah, uh, yeah, I got that. I got that. <laughs> I, I thought a wave was Skype's version of a poke from Facebook, and I was trying my hardest <laughs> to try and find it. I haven't had oh, that one in a while. Do Do they even do that anymore? <laughs> I I don't know. <laughs> and now on Ranger Command Power Hour. Ay, 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 ay! It's the Ranger Command Power Hour! Today on the Power Hour, episode 192, Ranger Merch Review, Boom Studios Power Ranger Comics Part 11, Unlimited Power, recorded on December 4th, 2021. Welcome to the Ranger Command Power Hour on the Four Eyed Radio Network. It's time to Ranger Up with your hosts. I'm Eric, also known as Trekkie B47. I'm Rai, also known as Collector Shuki. I'm Ro, also known as Roll of Queen. I'm Callum from the Lightning Collective Podcast. And I'm Dr. Ben, just free agent. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by our patrons on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash rangercommandph to learn more about supporting Ranger Command Power Hour. Thanks to our $5 and above patrons, Charles D, Chris P, Steve F, AJW, Eric D, Jacob P, Steve M, Tyler B, Tyler W, Charlie M, Craig H, Craig M, Liz M, Mason M, Kevin R, Steve R, Hassan a Bo H, Leland D, Josh P, Derek G, and Teresa B for supporting us this month. Remember, you can go to linktr.ee slash rangercommandph for the links for all aspects of our show, including our Amazon affiliate link at amazon.com slash shop slash rangercommandph. Welcome to Ranger Command, everyone. Thank you for joining. Thank you for having well, us. This is going to be fun. In a while, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's good to be back. <laughs> Can we call this Rangers of the Round Table? Uh, I mean, we, we've had Ranger Round Tables before, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm really glad to have all of you here, and I know this is kind of like last minute, but it's been a while since we actually did one of these uh, reviews for the comics. I've been doing these interviews with Ryan Parrott over the course of the year to get some insight into the issues but I wanted to get a fan's perspective because I think Ryan does a good job of explaining his writing process, but I want us to talk about again and revisit these issues just from our perspective as fans, because I think it's important that we review these in a constructive manner and provide that type of feedback. So yeah, I know it's been a while since we did our last Boom Studios review, but I think for me, it was just like, you know, this whole year of unlimited power, because we didn't know how long the arc would go until, mm, you know, that's when they announced Eltarian War. So, you know, I always break up these reviews into chunks and I figured, you know what, let's just tackle the whole last year of Power Ranger comics. And just for our listeners, unlike previous reviews, we're not going to go issue by issue. We're really going to talk about the broad strokes 
uh, some of our favorite moments, parts of the arc that we really enjoyed, and kind of do a deep dive, just overall deep dive. So if you're looking for like specific points of the comic, I'll suggest some reading at the end of the episode. But before we get into all of that, we do have some news that I wanted to talk about. It's kind of pulling teeth with the news right now, just because this is like that time in Power Rangers where, you know, it's the holidays and I think mm. everyone's just off break and no one cares. <laughs> uh, but right now on Ranger Command, we've got a preview of Mighty Morphin issue 14, which by the time when you listen to this episode, it'll already be out. So we do have a preview and I'll also have a write up for my spoiler free review of that. So yeah, Eltarian Wars in full swing. I've actually read the whole issue. It's crazy. It's some crazy stuff. Next up, New Era Cap has some new Power Rangers hats and caps. Previously, they did a bunch of these before, but now they've got some new styles, and I think they're all right. It's nothing I would wear, but... <laughs> I mean, if you want to, if you want to show off uh, how nerdy you are, I mean, go for it. I mean, it's nice to have these, on display. I'm looking at these for the first time, and I'm like, yeah, no, not for me. But look, if you uh, if you want to rock them, good for you. The only ones I would I would rock would probably be like the juice bar logo or the one with just the lightning bolt with splatter pattern or whatever. I think the other ones are too specific for me. <laughs> <laughs> the Z one is pretty cool. Like I like the coloring for it. Yeah, yeah. The the Z one's pretty nice. Uh, these seem nicer for display. Yeah, yeah. Read. Like I would definitely grab the Dragon Zord one and just have that on the back from like streaming or something. Make sure like the audience can see it. Oh yeah, because that looks clean. I don't have the right head for caps, so <laughs> these are immediately a no from me. These are great. Some of them are really nice, but yeah, if I go bald, I I don't know what I'm gonna do. So I'm just praying I don't go bald because I <laughs> can't wear hats. So yeah, I'm I'm not really much of a of a hat guy. It's not like I'm wearing a bunch of hats all the time. So I would probably grab one or two of these if if I were to just for display. And then moving on, uh, this is kind of the huge news that I wanted to touch on. Probably talk about this with Zach and AP in another episode, but I want to get everyone else's take on this. So Deadline had a extensive interview with E1's Michael Lombardo on the Hasbro-owned side of what they're doing with the TV strategy. So there is only a couple mentions of Power Rangers and these are the big things that we're going to talk about. So E1 Television already has been plotting a potential universe of multiple series and movies based on the company's Power Rangers IP, shepherded by Jonathan Entwistle, which we can reveal has been set up with Netflix. Now, it's actually been a little over a year since Jonathan Entwistle was first announced as kind of like this showrunner or doing the next phase of Power Rangers they did that press release about a year ago, but this is the first time that they're actually confirming that everything's going to be with Netflix. Now, we we kind of knew about that, like we kind of figured that things would be with Netflix just based upon Dino Fury Season 2, mm. um, but now this is like they're putting everything into Netflix. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is like he was going to be basically like doing that 90s reboot 
time travel movie thing. That's no longer the case. Um, I think that uh, idea is is out the window. Uh huh. They just said multiple series and and movies. It was his name originally attached. He was attached to something in the past. Right. A year ago, there was a whole press release that you know yeah. that he's like writing the next phase of of the Power Rangers universe. But I think that whole time travel to the past thing that was some script rumor that I don't yeah, think I that has that. any bearing on on this. Okay. And then the other quote in this was, uh, since we set up Power Rangers as Jonathan, we pitched really a whole world approach. It's not just one show. It is shows followed by films, some kids program. We have found a great writing partner for him. They are off. Knock on wood. Netflix is excited. We're excited. We hope to have some news soon. I know it's that's not a lot to report on, but... It's a little bit more direction of than what we had. Mm-hmm. We still don't have a solid word on if, you know, we're getting another Sentai adaptation. We don't know really what is going to entail. We don't know if that includes animation. So there's still a lot of details that we don't know, but everyone kind of takes off running with this type of news and freaking out over things. This is interesting. I mean, there's been rumblings about this for a while, especially, again, like you mentioned, with Dino Fury. So the next couple months is going to be telling. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to see how that's going to play in with the movie. I know Hill's working on something right now. Right. So I feel like they're taking the whole connected universe thing pretty seriously. I know that's like a thing now. Everybody wants a universe. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody wants things bouncing off of each other. So, I don't know, if they can really recreate that with Power Rangers and make it so that the average person wants to be immersed into it in a way that the MCU and DCEU is doing their thing, I think the brand will be headed in a fresh direction. I think we could get some fresh eyes on this series. So, I'm I'm excited. Cautiously, cautiously optimistic, but excited at the same time. Yeah, I think it's like, it feels like you're saying... Like, this whole thing is saying a lot of stuff without saying things at all. Mm, like, pretty much. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, and I don't mean to sound, like, cynical about it, but I'm always excited for more Power Rangers world-building and, like, cohesiveness and connective tissue and any of that. I love that stuff. Yeah. I love it in the MCU. I love it in Power Rangers. I love that stuff. But the cynic in me says that this screams of JDF saying we have six Power Ranger movies planned. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, and that I'll believe it when I see it. Right. That when Netflix cancels incredibly popular shows like Glow and other stuff, and I wasn't even a fan of Glow, but like when it, when it cancels incredibly popular stuff, it's very easy to, there was a Rick and Morty episode. They were like, it's a very attainable goal to get something on Netflix. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. My concern is that Netflix produces so like so much exclusive content. Yeah. A lot of it just gets so unnoticed. And then occasionally you'll get the odd like, wow, this is the next big thing. And out of the thousands of franchises that have tried to build universes on screen, I mean, there's only really three that have had successes and all three of them have had the same things where first of all, they were all standalone films and then they branched out. So obviously there was the MCU, right? There was the Godzilla film 
and then there was the Conjuring film as well. Those are the only three that I can think of currently that all have universes that are thriving or, you know, are popular in various degrees. Uh, everyone else who has tried to create a universe, they went too hard too soon, and I don't think that's the right way of doing it. I think that if you just trickle out little bits here and there, see if it has any traction, and then if people like it, then they can build off of that. But I think they need to just focus on one thing for the minute. I don't really care what it is, just something, whether it's a TV show or, or a movie or whatever, and then see how people react to that. Just because as soon as they said, oh, we're going to be doing TV shows, movies, and everything else, kid shows, it just screams the dceu or the monsters mm. universe where they're like look we're doing this whole or the original power rangers film well i say the original the 2017 one you know where they're like oh we've got such huge plans and then they end up selling the franchise yeah <laughs> yeah they end up in the toilet because people My, are like oh no i don't me, really let, like it so let me ask you something has anyone on this call heard of the tv show on netflix called soundtrack no no, no. okay all right my brother created that show and oh, wow. And, and it lasted for one season, and it came out December, I think, 18th, 2019, and Netflix did a crappy job of promoting it, mm-hmm. and that's partly why it was canceled. I'm also a horrible brother, and I didn't even watch it, but... <laughs> but like, wow. Like, <laughs> wow. At least he's honest. At least he's honest. Yeah. I'm honest. I'm honest. But... I can see Netflix maybe doing like a universe for the sh- for the show Arcane mm-hmm. and like maybe a few other things, but for this, they're gonna have to like I don't know. Kev- I think Kevin Feige from Marvel said it best. Where where for Iron Man they were like, let's just make one good movie and see where that sort of takes us. Maybe yeah. sprinkle some extra stuff in there. I don't like building up this expectation. That's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. When your film is like half references to things that haven't even happened yet, then it's a huge problem. So. Mm-hmm. Just focus on this one story, whatever it is, and if it does well, then you can branch out. But unless you have a solid story, it's pointless. And that's what I'm kind of thinking, right? Like, there has to be some something that kicks all of this universe off. You can't just, like, launch 80 different things at once. If you're going to reboot the Power Rangers universe, I feel like it has to kick off with an event or a movie or, or something that kind of branches this, this multiverse or whatever. And that's my only worry with this whole thing is that they're just going to toss out almost 30 years of continuity. Like they're just going to be like, whoop, it's gone. That's a whole other universe, whatever. That's the past. And I don't want them to do that. If it is a multiverse, then you almost got to say it like, like what they did for the Star Trek, jj star trek the first movie where the characters are like oh wait we're in a different universe like this is this is a different Mm. this is a different timeline like the characters themselves recognize that they're separate they didn't even say if this is animated or live action that's the other thing that really stuck out to me i mean i'm it sounds like it's probably going to be animated but i could be wrong well that's that's the thing what's going to be animated because they just said like you know it's not just one show it's like they're saying multiple films and kids programming and, and this and that so that's kind of like my big question mark is like how is it all going to tie together and you know i think when they did the initial press release announcement jonathan entwistle a year ago now like that was last october 
and everyone's kind of been speculating. The dude's been working on something for over a year now, possibly more, because he's probably been working on it even before they officially mm-hmm. announced it. You think maybe even since the Hasbro acquisition? Probably. Probably. Yeah, I would, that one. They, they, maybe had, they maybe were like, we want someone to clean this all up. <laughs> what I, I actually what I see happening is Eric just mentioned he wants to know what kicks off everything. I think the movie will be kicking off mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. And then from then on, it'll branch out. So whether it's, whether it's, it's animated or not, everything that comes after that, that's kind of going to be like their MCU. So you know how Endgame was kind of just like the finale of everything. Right. And now we're dealing with the aftermath of that. I think this movie is going to be that. And then, um, so say the movie comes out, this show comes out, this show comes out, this show comes out. Things are intermingling with each other. And they also mentioned there's going to be multiple films. So what if those TV shows, animated or not, lead into that second film? Then there's like, you know, that's like a phase two or whatever. Yeah. Then it kind of continues that pattern. But I think what we're going to see is they're going to put out this movie and they're going to see what the reaction is to it. Because mm-hmm. if, it's, if it's great, then I feel like there's going to be even more enthusiasm. If it's not, maybe they'll dial back and they'll try to put out little trinkets of things and try to see if they can win people back with that. So um, I think we've really got to focus on what the movie's going to pertain to because I feel like this this announcement, again, it's a lot without saying much, but then again, you can also make the mistake of setting too much expectations with that because, again, mm-hmm. we can interpret it as, this is a lot, but not saying anything, but somebody else can be like, oh my gosh, this is going to be this great thing. But I think we should dial back our focus on what is this movie going to consist of? Mm-hmm. Well, this then, one big thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then what, what happens after that is whatever happens after that. And no corporate meddling, please. <laughs> please, no. I think the MCU formula can work. It just takes a lot of work. And you know, thrusting this all all on the shoulders of one guy, like, I want this dude to get burnt out and be like, look, Power Rangers has consumed two years of my life, I'm out. It's like, e- right. either you're in or or you're out. And, you know, if, if Whistle can become like the Kevin Feige for, for Power Rangers, that's great. But, you know, I hope he has like a multi-year plan. Otherwise, you know, like we brought up before, with Netflix, it can fizzle out after one or two seasons. Like they are notorious for like two seasons. You're done. Yeah. Also, I I do want to bring this up too. We can also talk about how they're formatting it because I think this show or whatever, these TV shows might do better with a week to week release versus just throwing everything out. Cause again, whenever something on Netflix comes out, it's, everybody watches it in one day and it's the topic on the timeline or whatever for a week if you're lucky maybe a week and a half and then yo it's on to the next thing maybe There's- with the week to week we can we can have conversations and they can gauge the reception and they can kind of course correct if need be instead of just throwing it all out there yeah and netflix has done like week to week stuff before yeah. it's it's rare but they have done it a good example of this is like 
I love the Netflix Lost in Space series. They they just dropped all of season three, but that was the problem. Season two dropped literally two years ago. I watched it on a weekend, forgot like 90% of what happened in that season. So when I watched oh. the season three premiere, I'm like, oh, that's what happened. Or like, mm-hmm. I completely forgot the, the plot points. And on the flip side of that, you know, to one of my other fandoms, I love what Paramount Plus is doing with all the Star Trek series is that they are week to week. A new episode drops every mm-hmm. week on the platform. And you're right, Ro, that conversation can continue and extend the whole life of the, you know, 10 week chunks. And they're mm-hmm. structuring it where you know, one season or one show will end its season. And like two weeks later, the next show with its new season is out. Mm -hmm. So you've got this constant flow of Star Trek as a Star Trek fan. I'm eating well, but like, I want, I want that for power Rangers. Like I want there to be like, almost like this constant flow of, of new stuff. I think starting it off with the movie, like you said earlier, Callum, like that's honestly going to be the best way to do it. And cause then like you can sort of build up something with one big thing, then splinter off and then do week to week to week to week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that I think is the best format. One big thing, make it really good. Then that will generate why you should care about something week to week to week. But if you right. drop a season entirely in one fell swoop of power Rangers, and it's going to be multiverse or universe shenanigans, you're going to lose a lot of people. You're going to burn a lot of people out. That's ultimately what did happen, or part part of the reason why Marvel Netflix stuff started waning in quality. Mm-hmm. I think it would benefited more in the week to week. Also, yeah. I, I don't know what the um, atmosphere is like in the US, but over here in the UK, Power Rangers, the general public-wise, I mean, talking, uh, but they see Power Rangers as a joke. So they're going to need to turn a lot of heads and be like, oh, this isn't actually, you know, this isn't for four-year-olds or whatever. So Mm -hmm. they're going to need to, I think, first and foremost, sort that out. Because, you know, a 28-year-old isn't going to sit down and watch Power Rangers, especially in its current form. But they, they do need to, I don't mean they need to make it more serious. I just mean they need to change it up to the point where it's not so... Uh, childlike because i know uh, teenage mutant ninja turtles despite being a similar thing to power rangers is kind of like the flip opposite like when you when you say oh i like ninja turtles people don't go oh you're such a child or you know they don't take the piss out of you they're like oh that's pretty neat because there's Mm because teenage mutant ninja turtles every three years evolves to a brand new thing Mm -hmm. whether it's a more serious tone whether it's a light-hearted tone it doesn't really matter but it just keeps evolving and you need you need that with power rangers because let's be honest it's been the same for nearly 30 years it needs to it needs to change to this to this announcement i say prove it yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah because right now we we've gone a, a year of lip service And until something comes out, and I've talked about this on the show before, but, you know, I I always say I think the fandom needs just more patience in general. Like, we're so quick to, like, speculate and everyone's like, oh, my God, Zooger. And, like, is that the next one? And But Illuminati said this. And who did that? And what? And it's like, we have nothing right now. Mm -hmm. Like, we can talk about what we want, but, Ro, like you said, like, we have to temper those expectations because I I think as a fandom, we hype ourselves so much for stuff that when something does happen, 
we're like, oh, well, this isn't one I really expected. And, you know, I kind of feel that way when Dino Fury came out. Like, everyone was so hyped about about Dino Fury and, like, how good those first few episodes were. Here we are, and they dropped the second half of season one all at once, and that's the problem that, that we talked about. They dropped a whole second half of a season, and the fandom is all over the place in these discussions, and the only thing kind of steering that is what Nickelodeon is still burning off. But otherwise, everyone's watched all this stuff over the summer, yeah. and now people are like, Oh, Dino Fury season two. Where's it at? Oh my God. I'm waiting. Netflix just has this problem in general is they'll drop a season and we don't have any real clarity on when the next season will come. If right. you're lucky at the end of whatever show you're watching, they'll say there's a season two coming or there's the flip side of where you don't know if there's another season coming at all. Mm-hmm. So then there's yeah. like this big lingering question mark. It's like, yo, what is going on? Because some shows, if the viewership is great and everybody's talking about it, you may get lucky and, you, and the announcement will drop. This show is coming out for season this. This right. show is coming out for blah, blah, blah. But a lot of times it's just radio silent and you're wondering like, yo, what is going on here? Also, so, not mm-hmm. to interrupt. What does a season look like? How many episodes? Because with Voltron, it was incredibly erratic. Okay, it was it would, terrible. <laughs> yeah, it would be like five episodes, and then it's like, oh, part two is season three. Here it comes, and it's like three more oh episodes. Oh, my God. What are you doing? They're, they're currently doing that with Star Trek Prodigy. Like, they drop five episodes, and they're like, all right, we're taking like a month break, and the next five episodes are going to drop in January. And then in June, you're going to get 10 more episodes and then we're announcing season two. And I'm already like, yo, with the animation, this is all over the place. Yeah. And so if Power Rangers does go animated for one of these projects, it's like, what's going to happen? What's the deal? Yeah. I I think we talked enough about that. I guess stay tuned. I I have no idea what's going to happen. Stay tuned, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, maybe somewhere. All right, let's get into the main topic with the Boom Studios comics for Unlimited Power. So we're going to be talking about Mighty Morphin 1 through 12 and Power Rangers 1 through 12. Unlimited Power did take a whole year. And Ryan's even said on the interviews that I did with him that he wished it was a little bit more condensed. And we're seeing that with the Altarian War. Altarian War is going to be essentially five issues for each series. So the Altarian War part is going to be very quick compared to Unlimited Power. And I know Ryan Parrott likes to kind of self-deprecate a lot, like, oh, maybe I should become a better writer. But overall, I think Unlimited Power, and I'll admit, there was times early on where I was like, what's the direction? Like, where is this going? But when you read back and you you see everything come to fruition, overall, I think Unlimited Power is is pretty solid. But I will admit, there was times early on, especially when they were dealing with the whole Angel Grove is occupied mighty morphin was so slow to me early on 100 percent agree <laughs> yeah I, like wasn't it only occupied for like one or two issues yeah it was like two or three overall yeah i feel like i've said this to ryan at a comic-con at new york comic-con before or something and like it's not like really in his control but like i feel like 
Power Rangers as a whole would really benefit from like a recap page. Yeah. Right. I would mention something about that. Keep going though. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's all I got. Like, I feel like it really would benefit from a recap page just overall. I felt like that should have happened when they first launched this split. I was almost expecting in Mighty Morphin 1 previously on Power Rangers because really Unlimited Power started in Mighty Morphin like 50 through 55, like that ending arc of Mighty Morphin like with Draken coming back and, and all of that stuff and the new Green Ranger, all of that was set up in this five issue chunk at the end of the last thing. So when I picked up Mighty Morphin One, I was expecting like like you said, Ben, a recap of like previously on Power Rangers. Like yep. just something to be like get these new people. If someone is literally starting with yep. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers split, you have already missed that opportunity for catching a new viewer, yep. a new reader. You you couldn't start with Mighty Morphin 1 and Power Rangers 1 and fully grasp everything that was happening. You couldn't. No, you couldn't. Because yeah. it was so tied to everything that happened before. That's what they were saying. They're, I remember a press release. They were like, this is the perfect time to get on board. And me as like someone who's read all these, I'm like, that's a lie. No, it's not. No, yeah, it's wrong. <laughs> You're gonna be dropped in the middle of the story. Like, who the hell's Draken? Who the hell's this new Green Ranger? What's going on? So, yeah, I definitely think that the first two issues or the first issue of each series of this split should have had like a previously on Power Rangers. Good. I thought it was crazy. No, yeah. no, no, you're not. I mean, that was literally the first thing I thought of when, when I first started picking up the split. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think both of these are still going by the legacy numbering, if I'm not mistaken also. Yeah. So for somebody who, if you've been reading it from the jump, this is fine. Mm-hmm. But if you're somebody new and you have no idea what the whole, what the whole legacy numbering is. You're like, yo, what is going on here? But then again, on the flip side, it works for them because when you announce two number ones, you already know how that goes. New number yep. ones, they just sell out like hotcakes. I don't. I think one of these two books did it go into second or third printing. Both of them got second and third printings. Yeah. I was in a I was in a comic book shop and somebody and I was like, oh, I'm gonna pick up Power Rangers. And some someone was like. Oh, Power Rangers, I didn't even know that they made comics. Let me pick up the latest issue. And I'm like, you're going to have a lot of trouble with that. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's so, it's a lot to digest. So I think, I think the book would overall really benefit from a recap page. Yeah, if, if not a recap page, maybe just a one shot or something. Just like, mm-hmm. hey, for brand new readers, we're just going to give you a quick recap because that's what they did with the recent Batman event before Fierce Day kicked off. Mm-hmm. It was literally just a recap page of everything that was happening. For people mm-hmm. who are reading Batman, it was like, oh, what the hell is this? We know this already. But for somebody who's just now coming in, yo, you just get it in a nice, quick, digestible issue and you're ready for whatever they send you off in the event. So definitely could have benefited from that because you could do a free comic book day thing too. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. how they did with that one for the Morphin Masters a while back. And that was a great recap of yeah. like the whole Draken situation. Or even something simple like that Ranger Slayer where they just did a compilation of yep. like all the key Ranger Slayer stuff. Yep. The Emissary issue was actually the issue that got me into the book 
And then after mm. that, I went on my brother's stag do, and I literally binged the whole series while he was out yeah. drinking because I came home <laughs> early because I just couldn't do it. Um, so, yeah. Well, I say go home, go to the hotel. But, yeah, the, the series for me, it, so Mighty Morphin started off slow and then picked up. Power Rangers started off really fast-paced and then, for me, slowed down. So it was like this weird sort mm-hmm. of cross of mixed pacing. For me, this was the... I don't want to say the worst, but out of all the story arcs that we've had so far, I think it's the lowest one for me. And it really sucks that I say that because I really do like Ryan's writing. I do enjoy what he does, but there was just a lot of meandering and a lot of let's go here for this minute thing that doesn't even matter. And then, um, wait, are, are you saying this was below beyond the grid? Oh, whoa, whoa. I, I forgot about that. Okay. No. All right. Second. Yeah. All right. Second lowest. I genuinely forgot about beyond the grid and it's, it's right next to me as well. I'm an idiot. Yeah. I, it just was a lot of meandering and not really a lot happened. And yeah, the, the villains of power Rangers, I just can't get behind. Um, I, mm. I absolutely hate them and not in a good way. Like, I just think they're overpowered. They're going to, it's going to be another like mighty morphin situation where just a a solution comes out of nowhere that wasn't even hinted at. Like right at the end of mighty morphin uh, power rangers when the solar rangers like jumped in last minute. I'm worried that something else is similar is going to happen with those. It wasn't for me. Like I kept reading, but it just wasn't as gripping as previous story arcs. There were definitely elements that I felt were extremely forgettable. Like, I completely forgot about the Horrid. I forgot about the destruction of Cartoonia. Like, certain things like that. But then there's some stuff that's, like, that really works. First of all, I just want to say, like, globally, it's really nice to have the two books be in the same timeline. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm sure that that really works well for Ryan as well, not having to bounce back and forth and back and forth and back and forth between two big books and seeing how they sync up at the end. The things that, like, really did work for me was, like, the show will say, like, oh, 10,000 years ago, 10,000 years ago, this, mm-hmm. that, and everything. And that, like, that means nothing to me. Like, as a kid... I was dumb, and I was like, oh, cool, yeah, 10,000 years ago, blah, 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 blah. But it's like, here you can actually show and not just tell. Right. And really show the consequences of what happened in the past. So I really do kind of appreciate that aspect of it. Dedicating a lot of real estate to certain politics on Eltar, I, I don't know if it was necessarily a good idea. After a while, it does sort of drown on you. It becomes largely forgettable and almost like pr- predictable too. At the same time, Ben's just going hard on this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm realizing it. I and, and, and like, I'm, look, I'm not knocking it. Yeah, I'm, I'm being very careful with what I'm trying to say. But it's like we get it. Like, Eltar didn't want to do certain things to intervene to prevent major certain catastrophes. You don't have to reiterate it to us keep it going forward. So I can see where Ryan would probably want to condense that. And I would hope that he would want to condense that. Look, some things were great. Seeing like how Matt Cook factored into the story, I really liked that. Yeah, I want to address that because we'll get to certain points. But for me, at least, I mean, let's talk about the the Eltarian part of it because that was something that I enjoyed that carried over from like what Ryan Parrott did in Go-Go Power Rangers. I like where the first few pages 
of these are telling a different story for that perspective. And that's what kept me engaged with Mighty Morphin was really that Zordon story part of it. Because I like seeing where the past, and I think without that mini story in the beginning, any impact of like Zed's betrayal or Zofram or Zardis, any of those impacts of what we're feeling now in the Eltarian War, you couldn't have that without the buildup of seeing it from Zordon's perspective and seeing how those situations happened issue to issue. So for those, I, I really enjoyed how Ryan took kind of what he did in Go-Go with like the flashbacks and brought him back to Mighty Morphin. Yeah. yeah. These two books are interesting for me because when I was reading them month to month, I want to use the word burnt out, but I, I got tired of it. But then what I also had to realize is that it feels like Parrot started writing for trade and I had to get used to that because I feel like Necessary uh-huh. Evil was like every something was happening every single issue during that arc. And it was crazy. Yeah. It was explosive. It was very nostalgic. You know, they were taking a bunch of things that happened in real life and just putting it into the show and just made it, it worked in a creative way. And just doers just firing off on all cylinders. But here it was just more very slow, very mellow. Things were happening, but I had to get used to it not happening on that same exact level. And when I stopped reading the books, I just decided to let them stack. And then I read the past couple ones, like just, I just Mm -hmm. sat down one day in my bed. I was like, yo, let me just read these. And man, it hits, it hits hard, especially like, especially the last couple of issues leading up to the Altarian war. You can just feel the tension building, building, building. And almost to, it made me feel uncomfortable, but in a good way. Cause I'm like, yo, it's like something is about to happen. And when the, was it the issues before, Atari war in both books yeah everything just exploded now it's just like i am in okay you did it you sold me and i'm not gonna lie this may be my second favorite mm. when it's all said and done after shattered grid because mm-hmm. i see i see the signs it took me a while but i i see the signs and i'll, I'll admit with mighty morph endeavor the whole occupy angel grove that was a little slow but i do understand that it was more to set up Right. You know, Matt as the new Green Ranger. But some books, they don't work on, on the month to month. But when yeah. you when you sit down and read it in one sitting, it's like, ah, right, you know what? This this hits. And I wasn't expecting that at first, mm-hmm. but I had to get used to it. And now I was like, okay, cool. I, I want to add to your point, Ro, because when I did the prep for the interviews with Ryan, I would reread the chunks just to like you know, remember everything and rereading this stuff. Like I fully agree with you because month to month, you can see it in my spoiler free reviews. I'm like, all right, can we get to the point with the Imperials? Can we move on from Occupy Angel Grove? Like that was my month to month reaction. But then, you know, I sit down and reread the story in the trades and you're right it hits differently because you're not waiting like four more weeks for like oh my god what's the next thing and that's the balance with comic books and i really urge anyone who is on the fence just because of of month to month i'll always recommend the trades over month to month when you read them all in a chunk and i'll probably do that i'll probably do that once because uh both volume threes come out this month and that finishes that 
unlimited power arc. So when those come out, I'll probably just read both once through one more time and then restart on Eltarian War. I was going to say, too, it feels like Eltarian War is kind of going to go back to the necessary evil aspect where, okay, now he's firing off on all cylinders because he did the groundwork. Mm-hmm. So now he, he can just have fun. He he can just throw whatever out and I'm, I'm just going to eat it up. And he said that this is like almost the third act in what happened with unlimited power. Like this is the conclusion to all of that. Like this is the result. And so this is definitely going to be more fast paced. I mean, we're going to get the Omega Megazord, you know, we're going to get the, the Omega Rangers like fully combined Megazord and it's, we're getting the payoff. Are you going to fuse the Tiger Zord with the Dragon Zord or do another boner kill? I hated that. I was like, <laughs> dude, they were so ready to form. And then it's like, oh no. And I was like, come you, on. You can't toy with my emotions like that. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll say that the story threads that really worked for me was Zordon being like the very difficult, stubborn mm-hmm. guy that he is and Billy being in the doghouse. Like, mm-hmm. I think... And and I think that, like, Daphna has said on, like, interviews that, like, she really likes when Billy's in these sorts of dilemmas and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say that those really did work for me. And again, like, the 10,000-year stuff, it worked for me. Some of it was a little slow, but o- overall, I did like it. I do agree that if you sort of read it all in one sitting, it probably hits a lot better. Yeah. On, instead, of, instead of the month to month. Yeah. Again, recap page. That that right. <laughs> honestly, with the with the recap page, reading it month to month is definitely a situation where it can be a bit of a drag. Um, right. Again, particularly at the beginning of Mighty Morphin, and I agree with Ro that if you condense it down to either one sitting or just like these trade sized batches that you'll have a completely different experience. It's like when I talk to people about watching Toku, it's like watching a like 48 episode Toku in like a week is vastly different than watching it week to week to week over the course of a year. Can I just say that we are so paradoxical in how we digest media in that we start all Mm. by saying that Netflix should be doing things week to week. And here we're saying... (laughs) We'd rather have it. I'm, I'm just realizing that. Like, yeah, we're totally uh, contradicting ourselves. It, it's a contradiction of emotions between what we want in terms the of how much we content. digest compared yeah. to how it's presented. Uh, the le- I the want le- this. We have to start over. <laughs> I want this week to week, but I understand that if I watch this all in one sitting, it would make a lot more sense to me. Uh, <laughs> but I know what I want. And I'm going to get what I want. Yeah. Um, no, you forget, like, especially with comics where it's you like forget. One, one short thing in, yeah. in a month and you forget so much. Yeah. And like, that's my biggest thing about getting through these is like, I'll read it at one sitting in bed when it comes out, like at 3 a.m. And I'm like, cool. And then I wait an entire month and then do the process <laughs> all over again. I'm like, what the hell happened in the last one? I don't remember. <laughs> Maybe the recap page is probably going to be necessary for this book and maybe a couple others because now we're dealing with 
supply shortages and yeah. we have a lot of books who that are being pushed back because of that and this is just me i'm knock on wood but you know just let's just say for example altarian war part you know three or four something happens and boom can't get that that issue out on time and we gotta wait a month or two Bro, a lot of us are reading other books. A lot of us yeah. are consuming other media. So it's right. going to be hard for us to jump back in. You know, maybe that recap page could help. You know, it's like, hey, this is what happened. You know, give us like a couple panels here and there. Okay, you guys are ready to go in. Because it's now it's not even a matter of just us forgetting things in a month. Like, it's this is real life that's happening in front yeah. of us right now. But like you kind of have already done the work in terms of starting the process of a recap page because don't they do recaps on the back of the trades? It feels more like a, a summary of what you may be yeah. getting into. Okay. Just do a Star Wars crawl on, because every issue <laughs> of Star Wars, no matter yeah. what it is, sure. on the uh, on the backside of the cover, it's always got an opening crawl. So just do that, sorted. Because mm-hmm. Power Rangers, the movie, back in 1995, that blatantly copied Star Wars, do it again. So did Turbo. Yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just do that and it'll clear a lot of things up. The things that I enjoyed were Matt Cook and Grace yeah. Sterling and Matt versus the other Rangers. I really enjoyed that conflict. And then on the Power Rangers side, I really enjoyed the space stuff going on. So going to onyx and going to a bar and whatnot right really now we're that. just we're just talking about my morphin one through 12 oh, I wanna, yeah yeah i want to right. i want to say because i have a lot okay, to yeah. say about power rangers right <laughs> okay but with mighty morphin i love the matt cook stuff and i know he's a polarizing character for a lot of people like there are some people that have a hate boner for matt Why? like hardcore Why? i don't get it what's the what? That's a thing? Yeah. I paid attention, but like, what's, summarize what the problem is. Basically that he's this kind of scummy trying to still go after Kim and, and all this stuff. It's like, it's real like, oh, well, he's just a wannabe Green Ranger. And trust me, there is some hardcore hate for Matt Cook out there. It seems to me like he's the friend who was the out from the friend group after all mm-hmm. of his friends gained some sort of special ability. Yeah. And... He didn't have anything in common, but he knew their secret. And it's like, okay, now I'm part of that secret, but I'm doing my secret my own way in that it's not a secret. I still know your secret. So the most recent example was that I was on a board. Oh, that board. (laughs) I know which board you're talking about. The the board. And someone was like, in this newest issue for like Eltarian War, where Matt revealed himself to Zach, like, hey, Zach. And Zach was all like what like he did a double take and freaked out and someone was like that is so unearned you know they haven't talked in a year blah 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 and i'm like look gogo set up that they were friends since childhood like matt and zach were friends when they were kids before high school so you find out your friend is a power ranger like how else are you gonna react like come on also, too, like, you got to remember, like, Zach, Jason, and Trini are dealing, they've been doing stuff for an entire year off world. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, yeah, nobody, they did not catch wind of all the Green Ranger stuff that was happening. So, of no. course, when you come back, they're like, wait, there's a White Ranger here. Wait, who who are you? And you see, it's your homeboys. Like, 
that yeah. is a well-deserved reaction. Yes, it, it really was. It sounds like this reader needed something called a recap page. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. But, but, but yeah, like they, they were like, oh, well, you know, Matt and Zach haven't talked since like all the way this issue in Go-Go Power Rangers, which was like three years ago. And I'm like, yeah, it's three years ago in our time, but the way that the, the comics move, a week could go by in, in a year of comics in of real time. So what I think the comics do well is we are well over... Like if you count the legacy covers and don't even get me started on that because I, I know that they're the B covers. I think Daniele does amazing work with that, but keeping the legacy numbering I thought was just ridiculous because it's going to confuse people more than anything, especially if that's the only cover that some comic shops get. You know why they're doing it though, right? Like it, it you know, this is my comic shop. So they can do a big celebratory thing at when they reach 100, quote-unquote. Right, exactly. Exactly. That's why they're doing so, it. So I went to the comic shop, I think it was a couple months ago, and I started freaking out because I'm not going to lie. I have mostly everything Power Rangers muted because I don't want to be spoiled from the comics. Right. That's mainly why I do it. Mm-hmm. So then I didn't catch wind of all these B covers. So when I went to the shop, I'm like, Mighty Morphin, wait, I thought this book was over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was so lost and I went over and I opened it up. I was like, oh, this is a variant. Right. This is not a good idea at all. Like, I get it. I see it. I see what you guys are doing, but it doesn't make sense when you guys made, I'm pretty sure all the, the news sites kind of promoted this as the end of your series. Right. So it doesn't make sense how I know this is the end, but now you're promoting it as the series keeps going on. But if you're a comic book person, you understand that. But for somebody who who has no idea, you're going to be confused. It's like, wait, did I miss out on something? No, dude, it's just the same issue that you have. It's It's just a very weird B cover. It's a weird have your cake and eat it too sort of Mm -hmm. situation. It'll be interesting to see what the hardcover collected edition looks like. It confuses my comic shop because they've got it in their databases, obviously like uh, variant B or cover B. Right. Yeah. And when they look at it and they scan it, they sometimes it comes up as a completely different book. Sometimes it comes up as, say, like issue 70. And then other times it comes up as like issue five or, you know, issue 10 or whatever. So um, and then the pricing's all wrong, even though it's the same pricing. So, yeah, it, it doesn't just confuse consumers. It confuses comic shops as well because they don't know what to put it up, you know, put it down as. And look, I, I have this whole comics checklist that that I keep track of all the variants what I've purchased, all that stuff, what, you know, I have the database for Power Ranger, all all that. And, you know, I have to put B, legacy cover 85 or 87 or or whatever it is. And yeah, I think I get what they're doing, but it's like, man, you're really confusing people. But I do appreciate it's it's not on the artist because I love that Daniele has, you know, stuck around for so long. Um, And we get these moments with his art. But yeah, the the legacy numbering is is crazy because I know it it has confused multiple people before on that. Speaking of the art, uh, I I gotta give it to Rena. Rena's really <laughs> yeah. busting the ass 
on, on the arm. Oh and also, God. it's cool that Monte, that's still the thing. He's They're still doing the, the coloring for that because it keeps that same kind of continuity. Mm-hmm. So the coloring kind of, the best way I'm trying to say this is that having that continuity helps because it kind of keeps that same consistent, colorful mood. Right. Salute to that, because I feel like I was a little concerned. I was like, because Daniele made his stamp on Mighty Morphin. Right. And with the artist, which is like, like that's some big shoes to fill. But Runa came through, and Biamonte still stuck around. So it made the transition much easier. I love Marco Renna's style. I cannot get enough of his art. Especially, I can't wait for you guys to read Mighty Morphin 14. Because him doing both the regular Power Rangers and the Omega Rangers together in his style, it slaps so hard. It is awesome. There's a certain, like, shine to the suits. Yeah. That really like sticks out. That really definitely evokes like Danielle's Daniele style. Yeah, and Marco Renna, he kind of reflects what Daniele has done, but he's his own artist. But yep. there's still that visual continuity where, you know, the styles are similar enough where you haven't really lost anything. I really like the so after like year three or during year three, so Shatter Grid and then beyond, I really like the sort of Americanized manga sort of art style you know kind of like avatar the last airbender is mm-hmm. to what anime is i really do like that um whoever they bring on to a power ranger series they try and follow that sort of americanized manga anime sort of thing i, I think that's when power rangers is at its best in terms of the art is when um when you've got like Daniele or mora or rena on board like those sort of artists i, I really do enjoy their art it's not a knock against like the beginning of what the book looked like where, where, where it seemed right. like it was very, like, rough. There was, like, certain edges to it that, like, seemed very rough. And, that, and I felt like the art really reflected that roughness of what the characters were going through, where Tommy had just been through mm-hmm. his own crucible. I felt like it was really going from artist to artist to artist. It can be very difficult, but I think that the way that they've sort of handled it was uh, really great in tying with the themes of the book at the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't want to take anything away from Francesco Mortarino. Oh, I'm going to talk about that, too. Ooh. Yeah, he's been killing it on Power Rangers. And the fact that there was that continuity from his run of, of past, like in, in Go-Go and everything. So I like that visual continuity, for sure. The thing about Go-Go, when he was on it, it showed a certain loneliness that was looming. And... With Power Rangers now and him on it now, that loneliness is here. Mm-hmm. Like, if if you all sort of like understand what I'm sort of saying, I I have trouble like articulating it, but there's a certain loneliness in space that I feel that the book is really showing. Mm. Mm, okay, I, I get I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying too because like when when he was doing Go Go, it's more about like their the loneliness of like them dealing with you know high school and them kind of isolated as as Power Rangers. But yeah, then switching to Power Rangers and they're out there all alone just as a team of of three or four. Out right, there. but but also the loneliness of of the looming mission that's going to be oh, happening yeah. and and the loneliness of like jason dealing with his father's diagnosis and all of that okay like, 
Yeah. Oh my god, I feel like that's a plot point. Like, when are we gonna? Oh my god. Mm, yeah. I forgot about that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I I forgot to. So. <laughs> wow. There are some lingering plot things that I'm like, why haven't they touched up uh, on it again? And I feel like if that's if my biggest criticism, I think of unlimited power as a whole is we're missing more of the personal side of the Rangers families because yeah. that was such a huge deal in Mighty Morphin and Gogo. Their families were so involved. And I was happy that we got a bit of that in the uh, Matt Cook standalone issue, like with, what was that, Mighty Morphin 5? Yeah. 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 So, and we got, we got his whole backstory and his whole, like with his mom and his dad, and then the consequences of him revealing himself as, as a power ranger. I love that issue. Yeah. That was a fantastic issue that kind of brought everything up to speed. I think it was Comic-Con at home last year when they had like a panel, a virtual panel and Steve Cardenas was on that panel and he mentioned like, Oh, when I first went to read in for Rocky and stuff, they said, now be sure to like read as if you're like, like, here's his backstory and stuff. But we never did that backstory in the show. And Ryan on the on the panel was like, and what's that backstory? And it was like, oh, mm-hmm. he has to take care of his like sister and stuff and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, show, show me that. I want to see that. I want to see like, why is Rocky the self-deprecating, happy-go-lucky person that he is? Why is Aisha the kind of person she is? And yeah, I think I think it would benefit more if we did see like their struggles with all of that. Yeah, I think there was a I can't remember which issue it was, but there was a brief moment where was it during the Occupy Angel Grove? But um, Rocky got mad at Kim because I think Kim had thrown away something. The bottle had- caps. Yeah, um, it was the bottle caps for his sister because they did the wall and yep. then. When that Occupy ended, you saw that panel of him with his sister putting the bottle caps on on the wall. Right. Now I remember. This stuff can get kind of lost in the in the rest of the Well well that's what I mean. Like to to our earlier points, when I think when you're reading month to month, you lose these smaller character moments and you mm-hmm. only remember the big things that happen in the issue. But then when you go back and reread it, you're like, oh, there's the deeper connection. There's the deeper meaning. And I think one of the best storylines in Mighty Morphin 1 through 12 has been this story of Billy and confiding in Aisha and Aisha knowing, but trusting Billy enough to come forward on his own. And there was that strain in that relationship. And I love Aisha's growth throughout this Mighty Morphin 1 through 12 because she really feels like the second leader after Tommy. Mm. Because she's his counterpoint. She's looking on the more realistic side of things and Tommy's still doing this like overconfident hero thing. Like, I'm agreeing with Zordon so much. I'm ride or die with Zordon. Right. I really want to jump into Power Rangers so bad because that... Let's (laughs) jump into Power Rangers. But... Yeah that point right there <laughs> but everything everything with mighty morphin i loved the zed reveal story yeah mm-hmm. yes. the the two uh major twists or i say twists or reveals in mighty morphin i i don't know about you guys but i saw them uh coming from like a mile away 
it was in the distance. I was like, oh, it's that, okay. And then the issue came, <laughs> and, it, and then they happened. I was like, yep, that, that, that was what I thought, yeah. yeah. I, to be fair, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, it was great, but it, I just felt like the reveals were... They took too long when I feel like a lot of us figured out what was what was going on already. It's, it's fine to know already. Um, I do agree. I, I agree with you that it did take too long. Um, but it's and it's fine to know already because it's sort of like a train wreck. Where like, okay, you're anticipating it. How's it going to look? What's going to lie in the wake? For that, it sort of worked for me. I think it was smart to dedicate an entire issue to that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Dan Moore's art was. Oh, oh my god to I'm have him come back to yeah. power rangers and and you can see i know ben you said like early on uh yeah. it, it was a little rough when but i mean that was his style like kind of those rougher edges yeah. but you can see how much he evolved with with this issue 10 like holy crap this was that was an amazing issue like all I, around i i do want to add this into yo salute to boom because what I'm noticing now, and maybe that's just always been the thing with Marvel and DC, is just the constant artist changes. But I feel like it's so constant now that yes. it's, it's hard to enjoy a lot of these books consistently because it's like they'll start off with a great art team for the first for you know, like the first three or four issues, and then the quality dips, and then it comes back and it dips, but. Hey, Mighty Morphin and Power Rangers, I got to give them, they've, they've been consistent. So whether yep. it's they're treating them better or they're just paying them to, so they can stick around, I got to give my hands to them. Because that's, for a book to be consistent this long, or for two books to be consistent this long, that is a feat, especially in, in, in a time when everything is in flux. So surround right. to them. Yeah, no, for sure. The books that I read, it's Money Morphin and Power Rangers and then Amazing Spider-Man. And Amazing Spider-Man is like three times a month with rotating artists and writers. Oh, God. And God. like, it can be very frustrating because of that. I know Ryan's been on the book for so long and he's got some things coming up with Image and Rogue Son. I really appreciate his hard work. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts pulling away soon from Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he's been with it so long and he's writing two books next week is C2E2. He's going to be there and I'm just going to shake the man's hand if I can because of COVID restrictions and be like, <laughs> dude, you are a powerhouse because he is. I mean, it's it's crazy to juggle that much story and, and two books month to month. And I'm sure that we're going to get a turtle power ranger follow-up too. We have to, yeah, he's right. got ideas for it. He, every time someone mentions it, he's like, I've got plans. If they want to, it's like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Let the man do it <laughs> to, to touch on a little bit of that too. Cause when I heard about the rogues announcement, the first thing that went off in my head was, okay, something's going to have to happen with these mm -hmm. books because mm -hmm. We're seeing it now with the X-Men books. You know, Hickman was the big, he was the big guy over there. He was show, he was show running everything. And then, you know, things just kind of went out of control and he ended up leaving the book prematurely. Like Infernal right. is, is it. James Tynan on Batman, same thing. He's the architect. He's managing everything. He had plans for two or three years. What do we see now? He's leaving um, now. So prematurely. So what I would like to see is, 
you know, with everything that's happening with image, I hope it, I hope that there is a transition, but it's a graceful transition. So if it's parrot writing one book instead of two, right. I hope the transition is seamless. Okay. It, it's not disjointed. Things don't feel rushed. And, you know, it's kind of just like a transfer of power. Mm-hmm. versus just uh okay all right um i, I can't do all of this anymore I'm gonna wrap everything up and this is over new writer deal with that so i, I hope that's the case because yo the dude has been taking his time to craft something amazing you know, like yeah. i said it took me a while to get the science but i see the <laughs> science and i would like to see the science continue but in a graceful way because right now with everything that's happening with writers leaving the Substack and all that I am skeptical for every book I am reading. Yeah. I don't want to be skeptical for Power Rangers. Let me ask everyone, if Ryan were to just go down to one book, either Mighty Morphin or Power Rangers, which one would you want him to write on? Or continue writing on? It has to be Power Rangers, doesn't it? Because he created those power sets and i don't feel like that he would i mean i feel like eventually obviously he'll give it to someone else because that's how comic books work but i don't feel like he would give his own creation to someone else it Mm. yeah it feels like power rangers is his ownership as much as you you can talk about matt and oh altarians i was going to say the z characters uh (laughs) um, that's a good name the z gang the z gang the z team the zoomers not to be confused with Izzy Gang. Yes. Um, no, like I agree. I think I think Power Rangers is really his bread and butter. That was him and Daniele, and I think mm-hmm. Kyle had some like involvement in the creation some of the power of the Omega Rangers. But like, yeah, I think that that's where he he would be. I'm also gonna go with Power Rangers mm-hmm. because I think that's the strongest of the two books. And I feel like he can kind of just do whatever because now this is a this is a team that's just bouncing around all over the place where it's Mighty Morphin. It's grounded in lore. It's grounded in history. And yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, there's some editorial stuff happening with that, too, where, you know, there are certain things that they have to tackle. But Power Rangers is more I can be free here. I can yeah. we can tackle different aspects of the Power Rangers universe because this is a team that's going all over the place so i think if he really wants to shine i think power rangers is, is the way to go and again yeah like you said it's these are three three power sets that he created it's like he created his own world here that's not to say he didn't do the same with mighty morphin but again whenever you think mighty morphin there's there's so much that comes with it there's probably things i would be surprised if there's things he pitched that didn't get the okay mainly mm-hmm. because of the history of Mighty Morphin, where it's Power Rangers, like, all right, bro, do, do, do what you want. Yeah. Let's get into Power Rangers then, because I do feel that even in this run, this was the stronger of the two mm-hmm. overall in uh, Unlimited Power. And I actually liked the smaller arcs. So we had them breaking out Draken in the first one, the jaunt with the Horrid, Going that one issue going to Draken's world, then we had Onyx with the Ecliptor Astronomer tie in, then we had the whole destruction of Hartunia where they see the bigger stakes, then we see bits of Yale's journey, and then um, this whole search for the Yellow Emissary, the return of Lord Draken, and we got the debut of the Omega Ranger. So, I think structurally, 
Power Rangers was better mm-hmm. for me because I like these two to three yeah. issue yeah. arcs. This hundred ten percent is so much easier to, especially if you're reading month by month, to digest these little like two part, three part stories than when Mighty Morphin was just like a continuous wave without any real like arc structure to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So being able to just like over the span, like two months, get this nice little two part story. It's like, okay, they're done. They solved the issue or whatever. And then they move on. It's not just a one-off because yeah. it does yeah. contribute to the overall narrative, which I loved in these last mm-hmm. three issues to conclude unlimited power because everything came to a head and everything made sense at the end. Like it wasn't just random stops. Mm -hmm. It was Draken leading them the whole way. I was watching uh, you finishing up the show notes. You finished up the power ranger section (laughs) before you finished up the mighty Morphin one. And um, I hope you don't mind me like saying this just like for our listeners, but like, it's just, it, it was very telling that like right. you kind of had a difficulty being like, how do I summarize Mighty Morphin? And I, then you exactly. just write. Then, then you just write the invasion begins. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's pretty much it. It, yeah. it was like, look, the uh, I I'm I'm not going to take away from Mighty Morphin because Mighty Morphin, I think its strongest suit was. This was Zordon's story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sure. it's been very rare in Power Rangers that we've dove this deep into his life, his backstory, and having an actual emotional connection with him. I know he's seen as this like fatherly figure, whatever, for the Power Rangers, but I cannot wait for you guys to read 14 because the way Billy and him reconnect. It is the most emotional that this book has ever gone. And I'm so hyped for you guys to read that issue because that feels like such a payoff. But beyond that fact, that was, for me, the biggest focus of, of Mighty Morphin was getting to know Zordon and him struggling with everything going on. Like He was devout for Eltar. And... To have everything at the end of Mighty Morphin when when the invasion started mm-hmm. and Zardus shatters his tube because Zordon said, I'm not Zordon of, of Eltar. I am <laughs> Zordon of Earth. That boy's spitting. Yeah. <laughs> that was the best. Like that that line gave me chills. Yeah. That line gave me chills. Yeah. Going back to Power Rangers, I think it was also the strongest book just in terms of like like, yeah, even though I mentioned earlier, like, I completely forgot who the Horrid was and certain things like the destruction of Hartunia. Even with all of that, certain levels of world building, Rangers going undercover on Onyx and that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. and, like, SPD following them, and Yale's specific journey. Yeah. That really worked for me. And basically just, like, all of Draken's machinations and all of it. See, I, I think I'm the opposite of you guys, where I, I preferred Mighty Morphin in the end, because for me, Powering just started off really strong. Like, when I read the first two issues of both series on that same day, or maybe mm-hmm. over the two weeks, I can't remember when, when they came out, but I preferred Power Rangers, but the the issues that... Uh, it sounds like that I'm just focusing on the negatives, and I don't mean to be. Um, I will get to positives. 
but um, I don't really, I, I don't see why Draken's there. I really don't. He he bothers me all the time. Like he creates problems and then he <laughs> solves the problems. Um, and don't tell me otherwise. Like he does. Like he'll get the rangers into. Oh, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, like he'll get the rangers into um, quicksand and then he'll pull them out. And be like, ha, I saved you. I think the whole part of that was for them to make them think that he can trust them. And you know, Ryan had a good point in my last interview with him where he was like the moment that, that Jason and him have the talk where Draken says, Hey, at the end of all of this, are you going to put me in one of these containers? Or are you going to like, let me go? And Jason's like, let you go. No way in hell that's happening. We, you are definitely going to be put back to justice. That was the moment Draken's like, well, I tried. So <laughs> F you guys. <laughs> It, um, I just yeah, his his character bothered me because he his character arc was in a nice like little bow, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of Shattered Grid, and I don't think bringing him back to his uh to his initial power set, I don't think that was the right way to do it. I'm not saying make him be uh, Omega Blue, definitely not, but just mm-hmm. change it up even more than just the dragon suit with some red gashes along the helmet. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like there just wasn't enough substance there for me with, with his character, but I, mm. I really enjoyed the Onyx side of it. It honestly surprised me that the Rangers are going across the universe and whatnot, going to these different planets or trying to get there. And I'm genuinely surprised they haven't come across other power Rangers because we know that there are a few power sets out there because of super mega force so it it Mm -hmm. genuinely does surprise me that they haven't come across a team whether it be one ranger or you know well i think you know with the tie-in to the astronomer one shot where you know she did kill one of the teams oh yeah that was out there so i do like that they mentioned that but i see your point callum like it would be nice just to see a different team out there or them run across a different team but with the Onyx issue, I did like that SPD was aware of them mm-hmm. because Zordon did put out that call yeah. that they are fugitives. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was awesome. And I'm the biggest SPD fan <laughs> along with, with Rye. Hello. And, and to see, <laughs> to see SPD come back and we see that there's an actual branch of SPD on Onyx. That was just mm-hmm. incredible for me. Like I, that's the kind of world building I love to see in, in Power Rangers. And I like that they have, like Rose said, I like that they have the freedom to do mm-hmm. that. Doing that works for me. If you were to bring in Trey of Triforia to help out and stuff, that would make the universe smaller. Does that make sense to you guys? I, like, I, yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah, I don't want it to be like continuity porn. You know, yeah. I don't want it to be like, oh, we got the Trey and we got the Alien Rangers because their moments happen- haven't happened yet in the timeline yeah i'd I'd rather see new things yeah i really like that he's very sparing with the nostalgia yes so Mm -hmm. we got like two we got two nostalgia fests in like the same issue and then that was it for like however many issues Mm -hmm. i really like that he's very sparing and he's very tactical with with the nods to other series or you know other threads it's nice to that point, I like that they can sneak in things like when they were on Hartunia and you see mentions of like other alien races that were mentioned, but it's just in the background. Like one of the street vendors is trying to sell Trini like, oh, I've got this like Syrian 
silk or whatever. And you're, and you're like, wait, I know the Syrians. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I like that type of nod as to a bland, like what Ben was saying, like, I am Tri- of Triforia yeah. and I'm showing up. The only reason it gets a pass for Ecliptor and Astronema is because of how they tied it into that one shot yeah, right. and how it, it works. There's certain things about Dark Specter's looming threat that doesn't mm-hmm. work for me. And that mm-hmm. is, we know how he dies. And how he dies isn't as spectacular of a way of how he's being addressed as a threat to this, mm. like, right. to, to the comic book right now. Yeah, because not only is he a threat 10,000 years ago, but he's also looming, like, in the Astronema one shot that they And did. all they had to do was fly a plane into him. Like, okay, fine. I don't know. I'm, I'm confused by him because, um, right. so they, they set him up in the Astronema um, issue, and then in the Phantom Ranger one, he says, "Oh, it's it's Dark Spectre." But I'm like, so he's looking at a crater. What I don't know, I didn't know what I was looking at when when he was looking at that crater. Like, am I looking at Dark Spectre or what? No, it was some kind of ritual site. Right, that's, okay. that's what it was. Okay. Yeah, they've been teasing that that Dark Spectre needs a vessel, and I think it was in one of the either one of the one shots or something earlier on where they were also teasing uh dark specter. Like he was talking through a child that was a vessel yeah. like speaking through him. So I feel like they're trying to set up dark specter as this looming underlying threat, but it is getting a, a little bit muddled. Yeah. So I wonder where they're going to go with that. Uh, honestly, I'll say this. Those two one-shots, probably some of the weakest stuff I've read from the Power Rangers universe. It's not working for me. Like, I get it. I get the significance of it. But just everything that was happening in both books, it kind of felt like a distraction and an unnecessary distraction. I'm sure it's going to make sense later down the line. These things are going to connect at some point. Yeah. But compared to the grand scheme of things that's happening with the Imperials and all that, like, and how much, and how much of a looming threat that they are, like they feel more of a looming threat than dark specter. And right. also they're not looming. They're immediate. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. Exactly. They feel like an immediate threat. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. So just reading those two one tries, like I'm not, gonna, I, I, it felt very hollow. Like I get it. I, I get the hype, but I was just like, I'm good. I can understand why it doesn't, I, I could be wrong, but it doesn't seem like they're doing any more of them. And the Phantom Ranger one was, it felt like it was set up from the solicit to be something other than what it actually was. I did like the Phantom Ranger one shot in the fact that it continued that plot line from Go-Go Power Rangers with Rita. I like yeah, that. Yeah. I like that it tied all of that up. It gave more backstory to Fianna, Rita's mom and, and all that. And then I think this might be more of a setup for what's going to happen in Power Rangers universe Mm. coming up because we know Phantom Ranger is going to play some role in that. So I feel like that was connected because Frank Gogol did write that one, but you know, now he's off the book for, for universe. Like he was supposed to write universe. So I feel like, you know, they, they have this plan with the Phantom Ranger, but I liked more what the one shots did to set Astronema up for this story mm. than the story herself, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. 
Yeah. Also, I kind of wanted to just give like a like my brief thoughts on Power Rangers in general. Yeah. I think right off the bat, this feels like it should have been titled Necessary Evil instead of what we got with Necessary Evil, <laughs> honestly, because from issue one and kind of just kind of just the tone is just like these three friends from Necessary Evil, they've been kind of on the side doing their own thing. And here it's just like they've had to make some very difficult choices. And then you, mm-hmm. it doesn't help that Draken is also in the background, kind of just like manipulating things. And it, this felt more like a necessary evil type story. Like it really felt like it deserved that over unlimited power. And I'm not gonna lie, like after a while, I just forgot that this entire arc for both books was called Unlimited Power. But right. here, right off the bat, they gotta break Draken out, and then um, they have to go against Zordon and potentially their friends. And then you have the whole thing where they have to e- evacuate uh, that planet because the Imperials are coming. You know, Zach has a lot of guilt. Zach, oh my God, Zach, best character of of this book. He's had so much growth oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So overall, this just feels like. The, the stronger book and again that's not to take away from right. mighty morphin but i like the fact that it's just these three just figure it out and honestly i do tend to prefer smaller cast in my comic book because it really gives mm-hmm. the writer time to develop and grow these characters it gives everybody enough screen time everything that's happening with draken and and trini was awesome um oh, i feel yeah. like maybe jason kind of got shafted a little bit but i mean that that's fine he'll probably get his shine later on but trini and zach like these are the stars here and oh yeah. i i appreciate that and hey and parrot follow through because i i do remember watching that interview i think it was a couple couple months ago when we we're all in the pandemic and he he said yo zach is kind of a hard character to write for but he he made it work like i'm, I'm seeing a yeah. lot of growth here and if there's a book that Parrot is, is going to hold on to, I, I hope it's this because mm-hmm. he's really crafting something special here. And honestly, again, even with the title, it's Power Rangers. So you do have that ability to go and do whatever you want in multiple aspects of the Power Rangers universe. Whereas Mighty Morphin, right. it's you got to stay grounded in that little pocket, which, again, it's not bad, but there's so much more to do here. So, I really enjoy that they're thinking for themselves. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I am struggling to get behind is something that I'm going to call like Power Ranger Syndrome, where uh, a new Power Ranger debuts and then in the next episode they're immediately like nerfed. And I feel like the Omega Rangers had the exact same problem where when they debuted, when they debuted, they were very powerful, and you know, Jason knocked Lord Zed for six. And then in this series, <laughs> I don't, have the Rangers actually had a win? I don't think they've had like a proper, proper win apart from the evacuating Hartunia. I don't actually think they've won in any instance. I think that's the charm of Power Rangers is because they made the Omega Rangers struggle and work mm-hmm. for this. They've been dealing with the Imperials on the front lines the Mighty Morphin team hasn't had to deal with it. They're dealing with the other side of the coin. So I think the Omega Rangers, I kind of like that they got nerfed because if they were able to beat 
one of the Imperials in like the first yeah. few issues, there w- they wouldn't have been a threat. So I like that the Omega Rangers got taken down a peg and they've been struggling this entire time. Like that, when that issue 12 and they're like contemplating freaking suicide, yeah. like yeah. we, are, there's no way that we are going to win. That was some powerful <laughs> And I'm glad the Omega Rangers have had a harder struggle because it makes for a better story and it makes these characters stronger. Trini, hands down, my favorite character in all of these books. Like, she has become almost as much, if not as much a leader as Jason is. I feel like I'm a little lost on stuff having to do with the Imperials and how they sort of come into existence basically like do the emissaries basically die and then that allows the imperials to sort of yes i remember that there was a couple instances in in both books where they kind of touched on the past so zordon he was talking about the the morphin masters and that zeon person the the one that like took a Zeo crystal and, and forged the power. So there was that backstory, but then there was that other story in power Rangers where Trini and Z were analyzing everything and they came upon that story. Uh, But basically when the emissaries were created, there was a shadow of them that was also born of their creation because everything has balance. And so there was that panel where, you know, it showed them kind of flying off and there was the opposite color, which represent the Imperials like flying beneath them. And so when an emissary dies and Kia in necessary evil, killing the blue emissary sparked everything. So that, that was the spark to let the Imperials back into power the emissaries are walking prisons and each one of them was holding in um, yes. an imperial and then once they yeah. die nothing's like, holding back the imperial that's how i so. interpreted it as mm-hmm. yeah they, yeah, my, yeah so my yeah okay so my understanding was that they were basically taking time bombs that yeah they they're walking prisons pretty much yeah. yeah okay and that's what i loved about the yellow emissary was that he was trying to hide away <laughs> in seclusion yeah. And not not have the Omega Rangers yeah. find him because that's why he didn't want Trini to connect with him because as soon as they found him, it was all over. He was trying to prevent the last Imperial from coming into being. And like, you know, these emissaries are pretty cryptic, but him hiding away and being stubborn. And then you find out, you know, the Omega Rangers have been searching for him this whole time, but like their name, the Omega, they are the end. So for them to, they caused this, they caused this at the end, the thing that they were trying to prevent, they ultimately end up causing. And that blows my mind. That's why this is the stronger of the two books. Do you think there's three other emissaries just walking around in the universe that they're unaware of? I mean, the, the team is unaware of. So green, black, and pink. Or do you reckon they're going to leave it at three and they're done? I think they're going to leave it at three because those are the primary mm, colors. Yeah. I was going to mention Draken. For some strange reason, I don't hate him as much as I did before. Because mm-hmm. just how everything played out, it's almost like he was, almost feels like he was just warning everybody. He's like, yo, 
something's going to happen. I'm just here to, yep. to let you know something's going to happen. And him running off the way he did and getting his powers back and just piecing out, I don't blame him. It's like, hey, listen, I told you guys it's going to happen, but I'm not going to stick around and help you guys with it. Peace. I'll see you when I see you. Bye. I yep. may be way off base in my thinking, but as we're discussing all of this, could be wrong in my understanding of it, but it feels like, especially with Draken's recent transformation, what if he's trying to become like an Imperial? Didn't they have, weren't they teasing that in those those cover stories? I feel like one, there's like one of the cover stories where there is an Imperial and it's... Yeah, yeah. So what happened was the... The, the cover story was the red, yellow, and blue emissaries went out. And then what happened at the end was when the, the red emissary, I think it was the, yeah, it was the red emissary who kind of went back to Draken's world to check up on him. That's when the Imperial from the blue emissary uh. killed him. And that's what the flashback was when Draken mm. was telling his story. Because it all took place on Draken's world, Draken saw the Imperial kill the emissary. And because he witnessed it, that's what I thought was brilliant. Like he tried to morph and the Imperial like grabbed his head mid morph and corrupted his power set, took away mm -hmm. his powers and the Imperial was like, bring the Power Rangers to help find the Yellow Emissary so we can resurrect the last Imperial. So from the beginning, Draken was working for him. And so when he shuttles back to, like in Power Rangers 50 or whatever, when he shuttles back to Earth, he's seen some stuff. Like once he was released, like it all connects. And I really like that revelation that from the beginning, he's mm. been working for him and he's been trying to, to push the Rangers to find the yellow emissary because once yep. they do, his contract is fulfilled. He gets his powers back and whatever happens after that. Yeah. But I think out. that with us saying all of this, I think Draken's whole MO, you know, he had the heart of a master and everything like that. Like he did that power that like he he he, he had it right now and it's now gone. it's gone and now that he's seen the power of what the Imperials can do i wouldn't be surprised if that's what he's trying to ascend to it sounds it sounds like him i agree i agree with that completely yeah i mean and there's a reason why you know we they keep him around like you know people like dragon and i wouldn't be surprised if there's a, i don't want to say a shattered good part too but i wouldn't be surprised if there's like a draken centered you know story or event Mm -hmm. Because now, you know, he's, we do, we see the suit, like it's, it's half his Draken suit and then it's, it's mutated. It's like corrupted. So dudes running around with two sets of power coins and partially some of the Imperial powers, there's, there's no way something like that is not going to blow up in everyone's faces. I can see him taking advantage of the situation at the end of the Altarian war, like kind of swooping yeah. in at the end. And either grabbing some power for himself when the Imperials are about to be destroyed or kind of swooping in at the end. I can definitely see him taking advantage of everyone being Absolute kicked down. looming head. Yeah, that, that, that's him in a nutshell, yeah. He's the worst, yeah. He's the worst, but I, I, but I yeah, love him yeah. for it. Like, I love that he's a complete piece yeah. of I see yeah. him killing Matt. I see him killing Matt. I see him killing Matt. Ooh. Ooh. Like completely agree. Listen, I, Matt is. I, I made a video about it. Matt is going to die. He is going to be the sacrificial lamb. I'm saying it right now. 
He's going to die. The solicitations do say that that uh, people are dying. So, oh, blimey, okay. Uh, I mean, if you haven't read the solicitation, like, I haven't. okay, some someone dies. <laughs> they they don't say who, but they said that someone will die. So Matt, yeah. What? <laughs> What what do we think about Yale? His whole best kitty. I love it. Yeah, I awesome. I didn't actually realize there was a non there wasn't a non humanoid ranger until Yale's cover came out, and I was like, wow, this is the first time that we're ever yep. doing this, and I really like it. I think that's really cool. Where's my lightning collection, Yale? Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> please. I'd love it's that. Expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, bring it on. Make it one of those like monster size packs. Mm. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. I'll pay 50 bucks. I don't care. Just just give me Omega Ranger figures. Just in general. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Come on. Keep campaigning for that on social media and they just sort of like, oh nice. I'm glad you <laughs> like them. And that's it. And I'm just like, please. And they're just like, see you later. <laughs> please. Give them to me. No, I think Yale's journey and we hear the spirit of the blue emissary. And I know people are confused about like, I thought he was dead, like whatever. And I, I hate to keep teasing mighty Morphin 14, but they do address it. They, they do address why he's able to communicate. Okay. Good. Because, because I did have a little bit of an issue with that. Cause it's like, all right. Does that mean that death is meaningless? Mm. If these guys can just talk across any sort of plane? They do explain it. They do. Good. But I loved that there was that journey for Yale. And it was was those quiet moments where, you know, those alien kids were picking on him. And he kind of goes off on his adventure. And then you hear the whole time of, of Blue's, the Blue Emissary's, like, thoughts. And he admits that he made a mistake when choosing Kia to be the Omega blue. It was supposed to be Yale the entire time mm-hmm. and him debuting at the last panel of, of power Rangers 12 in like the full form. I, I loved it. I, I absolutely love it. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised with the blue emissary because we know that they don't see time in a linear fashion. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was him like I suppose a younger version of himself already knowing that he's going to make a mistake. If that makes sense. Mm. Cause I know that he, in uh, what was it? Go, go or might mighty Morphin power Rangers. One of them, I can't remember which, but he's like, he says something and he's like, Oh, that hasn't happened yet. And then he moves on. And it's yeah. like, wait, what do you mean by that? So I wouldn't be surprised if it's like an echo of him or maybe it's his younger self. Mm. Oh. Don't know if that makes sense, but when the blue emissary connects with Billy to find Zordon, he is wearing the cloak. So I think it is an, an echo of, of the blue emissary spirit. I think you're, I think you nailed it, Callum. Mm. I'm a detective. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, I mean, it's not a spoiler because by the time this comes out, people have, will have read it. So yeah, right. There's there's a lot, there's a lot of going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even clock the cloak. Yeah, <laughs> that would make sense. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the strongest elements, though, in addition to Trini, is just Zach trying to deal with this trauma of him basically leaving this guy to die mm. on Hartunia. Yeah. And 
I, I know that I know that guy was a piece of crap, but Zach as a Power Ranger has saved so many people, and for him to consciously close the door on this person and him dealing with it. And then you get that next issue where they're back on safe Haven. And now Archon is like, why the hell did you bring the Hartunians here? And basically Zach having to do almost like it's analogous to black lives matter. It really is in a Mm. way like Mm -hmm. he was trying to defend them. Mm -hmm. And Archon was so set on his, predetermination and his prejudices that, you know, he wasn't looking past that these people had nothing to do with what happened to him. These are innocents. There's children. There's an, there's an individuality aspect to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I I thought, I thought Zach's story was in, in particular and that final issue that power Rangers 12 of unlimited power and there at the end, and he admits that to his friends, was really, really powerful. There's one thing that Ryan does very, very well. It's character beats and Mm -hmm. character progression. Yeah. And it absolutely shines in Power Rangers. Yes. Uh, Mm -hmm. Particularly between Trini and Zack throughout this arc. Mm -hmm. Um, Just absolutely, absolutely haven't nailed it. I love it. It's it's powerful stuff. It really is. I know we talked about maybe Jason got got a bit of the shaft in, in the story, but you know I think Ben said it like we had so much focus on Jason. It's it's nice mm-hmm. to have yeah Trini and Zach shine. I think Jason's big thing was coming to grips with leaving home while his dad was going through mm. his stuff, and also coming to yeah. grips with like okay yeah let, let me pass the baton to Tommy, and Tommy's really pissed at me at the same time. Like we've had that. And we'll see, like, where the war sort of takes him and everything. Well, there's a conversation, and I'm sorry if I'm spoiling this for you guys, but there is a conversation. Well, it's not. It's It was in the preview that Kimberly and Jason reconnect on Safe Haven after they teleport out of there in, in issue 13. And she tells Jason, hey, make sure you're not becoming like Zordon because mm. you're kind of towing that line as a leader. Right. Jason's story arc at the minute is becoming a good leader because he's always he's always been a good field leader, um, mm. but he's never had to be a leader without a mentor. So I think yeah. that's his whole deal at the minute is trying to get to grips with being a leader when there's no dad around being like, yeah, you can do that or no, you can't do that. I think that's his whole thing at the minute. Yeah, and we've seen him struggle with that throughout this whole arc. He's been trying to pass the baton of leadership. Like, he said, well, Z, why don't you make the call? And then he gives Trini the chance to make the calls. And so that's what I liked about the Unlimited Power arc, was that you had Tommy on the Mighty Morphin side start doubting his leadership abilities and Aisha stepping up more. Because you saw that you saw, well, Aisha, why don't you do this? Or Aisha, why don't you do that? And at the same time in Power Rangers, Jason was having the exact same issues about Mm -hmm. doubting himself as a leader. So even though they had that disagreement, you know, between Jason and, and Tommy, they're arguing over the same thing. They're both dealing with the same thing about what it means to be a leader. Honestly, too, like, I know this is kind of a little bit of foreshadowing, but I wouldn't be surprised in like a year or two if this leads to Jason eventually leaving because Mm. I like actually leaving 
And, you know, we know he's will come back eventually for Zio, but dealing with everything in Necessary Evil, dealing with everything in un- Unlimited Power, like, that is a lot for one person. You know, Tommy, Tommy's still fresh in my head mm. because, you know, he, he went from green and then he went to, to white, so he still has his time. Uh, but Jason, I feel like he's been dealing with a lot. And then you got to throw the stuff with his father on top of that. Like, dude, I wouldn't be surprised after the, if, after the Imperial World, he's like, yo, I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. Maybe something happens to the power sets where, you know, they, they crap out or whatever. And it, it's a real exit for these three characters. But I wouldn't be surprised specifically if Jason is like, I am good. I am burnt out. Mm. I need to deal with my own. Sh-. I'm out of here because mm-hmm. the writing is on. The writing is literally on the wall here because we also got to remember too. these books do a great job of highlighting that. These are real people at the end of it all mm. dealing with real life situations. And eventually everything will catch up to you just like it does with each and every single one of us when it comes to life. Yeah, exactly. That's probably the best thing for his character is if he takes a step back and he's like, you know what? I, I need to take a break um, because in the TV show and the comic, he's definitely, um, I think out of all the Rangers, he's probably the one with the least amount of issues in his actual like character mm-hmm. and so i think maybe it's the best thing for him to be like you know what it's it's time for me to sort out my own issues and then obviously that's how he ends up in zeo because i know that a lot of people are like uh how are the omega rangers going to lose their powers but it would be nice if it was just zach and trini um that just decide to stay on as omega rangers and jason like you know what i'm gonna hang my cape up and um, even so yeah. too i don't mean to like harp again on the future but Let's think about what happened when Jason did come back. You know, yeah. there were several times when Tommy was taken out of the picture for whatever reason. And he steps up to the plate and he, he handles shit. like you can tell this is a clear and fresh Jason leading the Zeo team when mm-hmm. it's time to lead the team. So, again, again, this could probably play into that role of us getting to that refreshed Jason, because, again, he's just going through so much here. Yeah. Overall, is there any other point that you guys want to bring up about Mighty Morphin or Power Rangers for Unlimited Power? Kind of final thoughts. Um, Mine would be the Mighty Morphin's twists. I could see them from a mile away. So um, maybe speed those up or uh, throw in a few red herrings. And uh, But I really enjoy it. I really enjoyed Mighty Morphin more than Power Rangers. And um, yeah, I, I mean, overall, it's it's a good story i mean it's so much better than the majority of the superhero comics going on at the minute um but for me it's in the lower half of power ranger story arcs okay that's fair right now all i can say is i'm enjoying this mm-hmm. it's, it's a little weird at first but right now i, I am enjoying it and i feel like this era of the books is a shift for the line in general because for the longest time we've kind of just been sticking in the mighty morphin bubble with both books and you know there is the outlier of beyond the grid but i feel like for the majority of the part we've just been stuck in this bubble but now we can let mighty morphin breathe and do its own thing and the power rangers can do its own thing and i think that's important i felt like if we kind of continued in a place where both books are still dealing with the Mighty Morphin stuff altogether. I think it would have been a step back, and that's not growth. But mm-hmm. right now, this is growth. Yes, yeah. it's a little weird at first, 
but I like it. I enjoy it. And this is how you elevate a brand. This is how you elevate a line. Now my mind can start working. It's like, okay, oh, what are they going to do next with Mighty Morphin? And what are they going to do with Power Rangers? So that's what I like here. Again, took a while, but I get the science. And I just can't wait to see what's next. I'm excited for Italian War. I'm excited to see who's going to die. And I'm excited to see where these characters are going to end up. But so far, man, like, yo, like, Parrot is spitting, yo. You see, he's spitting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, look, these two books are still my favorite books of what I'm reading right now. And there's some weak points, sure, that I've sort of mentioned before. But overall, I've really enjoyed it. Um, and I still look forward to, like, what's going to happen next. It's going to be interesting to see sort of what's going to happen with Draken and what's going to happen with both teams. And I'm hopeful that the Imperials really do kick some I feel like Shattered Grid was, like, this big pull-you-in, like, look at mm-hmm. this, there's rangers everywhere, this is great. Beyond the Grid was a misstep, but, you know, we can't all walk in a straight line the whole time. And then everything from there has been... Just like, we're in the world of Mighty Morphin, we're doing some cool things, look, there's Omega Rangers, there's a lot of cool things happening. But this this arc was a shift into, look at what the universe of Power Rangers can be when you take off that like singular lens and broaden yep. mm. the entire landscape. You have space, you have what's happening on Earth, you have potential of other teams, you have the Omegas out in space, you have the the main cast still on earth and there's so much to see and so much to witness now that the the books have kind of shifted from here's this cool alternate take on mighty morphin to look at how big the universe of power rangers is Mm. and we have this whole sandbox to play in to the point literally we're getting a comic miniseries called power rangers universe like Uh that's where we're at (laughs) I love it. I'm I'm here for it. I'm enjoying it, and I look forward to seeing what's in store. I think globally, the continuity person in myself, just because of how I loved the MCU as an example, I would be very frustrated. Like, years ago, I, if, if you asked me about this, I probably would have been very frustrated with trying to be like, okay, well, that how's this going to work into into Zio in the future? How's this going to work into X, Y, and Z in the future mm. sequence and stuff? Like, but now I'm just sort of like, just tell a good story. Yeah. I'm not going to get into arguments about canon, right. not canon. Like, just tell a good story. And I feel like that's what we're doing. Look, to anyone who's like, hey, is this canon, whatever, blah, blah, yada, yada. I know Kyle, when he was writing the books and, and Ryan, to an extent, they were slotting in certain milestones that happened in the episodes. But look... The issue one of the very first Mighty Morphin comic, as soon as you have the Rangers have cell phones, you are not in the 1993 continuity. This is, this is a different, this is the boom universe. And there are things that can happen in both universes that parallel each other. Like I always, I always say this, think of what happens in the comics. Think about like, what if those same events happened in the show like think of their the show's own version of like austin st john and uh tui trang and uh and walter jones being omega rangers like you can imagine them in the tv continuity doing these same things but Mm -hmm. this is the comics take on it and so 
you just have to accept the Power Rangers multiverse is already here. The show has already done that by separating RPM and Dino Charge and mm -hmm. the Prime timeline. And then you've got all the Time Force stuff. And then what's happening with, with Boom it is its own universe. This is the comics universe, the what they call the Prime timeline or whatever they call it. This is separate. So you can imagine certain like... Think of them as, you know, what the Marvel says, like Marvel and like Scarlet Witch, like those, those hard points in history. Nexus point. Yeah. Nexus points. Nexus points. points. So yeah. think of Power Rangers having its own Nexus points. Like there's always going to be X, Y, and Z. And you can have both types of events happen in the comics and the show, but they can be different. And that's what I loved about when Ryan explored Tommy actual journey into getting the white light powers. Mm -hmm. Like there is nothing in the show that is counteracting that. What he did went to this like weird world and then went through these trials to get the white access. Like that could have happened in the TV show, just off screen from what we yep. saw. Mm -hmm. And that's what yeah. I love about the comics. They're diving deeper into the lore and everything that they've been doing with Zordon is incredible to actually give him a backstory. It's great because we've you, never had that. Do you think that it would be better served if some of the lore was available through NFT only? <laughs> get, get out of here. You're done. No. <laughs> I, I, and we never heard from Ben again. Oh, no. Well, that's the end of that segment. Yeah, yeah. NFT. I had, no. to, I, I had to throw in a jab. Yeah. I do All have right. one thing to say, though. Yeah. Um, I know there seems to be a lot of talk on what's going to happen next with these books if they're going to con if they're going to continue on past Mighty Morphin, and quite honestly, with the work that you know Higgins and Parrot. Uh, you know, a Bennett, everybody who's been involved. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, if it ends with Mighty Morphin, I'll be okay because I feel like they've done such a good job of expanding on the lore and just giving us things we didn't have, like opening our minds to new things, giving us new things in general, Omega Rangers, you know, the emissaries and all that. Like, if it ends here in this pocket, you can't be mad because they've done so much in yeah. that little pocket actually i don't want to say little just a pocket in general like they've provided so much so yeah. if we don't get a zeo actually not i'll take that back i've seen the zeo suits in in these comic books i've seen the turbo suits like i've, I've seen the multiverse of i've seen different teams in these books already do i even really need a whole entire comic book series dedicated to that when i already have the tv show to do all that for me so it's just like they've done they're doing so much here yeah, it's almost selfish to ask for more on top of that. And that's what I think I appreciate more about this set of books that we're getting now. It's like, yeah, if it's made me get to a point where it's like, yo, I don't I don't need more. This is good. I agree. Let's get into our Ranger Nation answers. We did get uh, thankfully we only got a few <laughs> ones for this because I know uh, we're just running out of time. But, you know, we asked, what was your favorite moment from the Unlimited Power arc issues one through 12 of both series in the comics and why? On Twitter, Toku Chris said, the return of a powered up Lord Draken, complete with minor costume change that reflects the nature of what's happened to him. I like the idea that he's out there maybe building his own team. 
and hopefully the mm-hmm. inevitable Draken versus White Ranger battle. I would love to see that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It'll happen. I think I think that it's not even just reflecting the nature of what's happened to him, but what's going to happen to him. Yeah. I, I still stand by like I think that he's trying to ascend to be an empyreal or bigger than an empyreal. He's an opportunist. He works together with whatever in order to achieve his own goal. Burgundy Ranger said, I confess to being behind in my reading, but I can say I enjoyed how issue 10 of each series gave us backstories of two pivotal characters, mm-hmm. one on each side of the conflict. Uh, then Kyle at Deadpool underscore Ranger said, our first real Meower Ranger. Why is it my favorite? I love cats. Nuff said. Right. And then uh, Tim writes today at Super Tim 616 said, Zardus revealed as the big bad of the arc and controlling the Imperials. Also, Draken getting his powers back. And finally, on Facebook, Damon Robinson said, Matt revealing his identity as the new Green Ranger. Everything about number 10s. How Draken got the marks on his face. Omega Rangers breaking Draken out of his prison from the command center. Was Yale our first Meow Ranger? Like, didn't we have Cat Manx? Mm. This is a a cat cat, Technically, we haven't yet. (laughs) <laughs> oh well technically yeah timeline wise yeah. Uh, yeah let's get a short story of ruger chasing around yale <laughs> don't forget the meow rangers don't forget the yeah. meow rangers or, or or dane yeah, yeah. Dane. so at the time of this episode's release uh mighty Morphin issue 14 is out uh, you can find print copies of those issues at your local comic book shops by going to comicshoplocator.com to find your nearest store or through the Boom Studios web store. And you can also do digital copies from Comixology, iBooks, Google Play, and Kindle. Coming up on December 29th, both Power Rangers 14 and Power Rangers Universe number one will be released. And then uh, also we've got Mighty Morphin Volume 3 soft cover. Uh, coming out on December 8th. So uh, there's that. So I want to give everyone a chance to do their, their plugs. Ro, I know you got to get going soon and I we're kind of wrapping this up. So uh, what do you got going on? Where can people find you? You can find me on Roll of a Queen underscore on Twitter and you can find me on Roll of a Queen reviews uh, where I'm just working on some YouTube stuff. Um, and I'm also, I just launched my own podcast with two other buddies of mine, Comics Code Authority. So you can find us on Twitter, Comics Authority. Weekly podcast, we break down just comic book news in general, and we do have some insightful conversations about specific topics. So uh, we are at the midway point of season two, so this is never too late for you to join in. So hop on in um, if you're looking for just a fresh perspective on the things that's happening at comic books. We are your guys. Um, and again, the my Rule of Queen Reviews channel, uh, I probably will have some more content coming up. I'm just focusing more on the podcast. But uh, yeah, just just stay tuned. Just over here working. And also, Eric, um, thank you for having me, man. I, I miss chatting with you guys in general, man. So oh, it's, yeah. it's so good to be back talking about Pirate Comic Books again, man. I love it. And we're going to have to do these more frequently. So yeah, okay. stay tuned. This was a blast. Ben, how can people find you online? You know, you can find me at Dr. Ben MD. I don't really do too much online. I'd love to be able to sort of change that, but life is kind of very difficult uh, <laughs> with uh, with COVID and everything in my own personal career path. I, I do want to take a moment and say just how wonderful Eric 
has been and how gracious he's been in letting us hop on and join him. You're just such a terrific, wonderful human being and um, a constant force of good. And the world could use a little bit more kindness from people like yourself. Um, So just thank you so much for giving us this uh, opportunity. I'm sure that people have already listened to it, but I did a special podcast with Eric a few months ago talking about my work and my research regarding COVID. So you can definitely listen to that and love to do another one of those in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And and Ben, I just want to say, you know, thank you for all of your hard work during the pandemic. And I know it's still ongoing and you're running around offsite and, and doing all this stuff. So there needs to be more people in the world like you as well, because you're on the front lines of this stuff, dealing with this every day and putting your own health at risk. And that's, that's really appreciated. Thanks, buddy. You willing to tell my mom that? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> or, or or write my dating profile. <laughs> Callum, where can people find you? Yeah, sorry, I'm stuffing my face with chips. Um, it's been a time. <laughs> sorry, um, you can find me. <laughs> you can. Uh, sorry, I'm in fries. You can find me on the Lightning Collective podcast. Uh, I mainly talk about Power Rangers toys. Occasionally, I'll get a really cool guest on. And also on Lightning Collection on Instagram. Those are my main two. And then I've got Twitter as well, PRL Collective. So it's a bit of a mix. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Anytime. And yeah, definitely going to have you on more as well to, to talk about comics because I know you keep up with them like I do. So yeah, yeah. I'm very <laughs> deprived. I really appreciate this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then uh, last but certainly not least, uh, Rye, where can people uh, uh, You can follow you? me on Twitter at Collector Shugi. Um, I got a YouTube channel. Still, it's dead, but it's, it exists. It's um, <laughs> it's out there in the ether still. But um, yeah, we might get back to that. We might. But uh, at the very least, uh, you can check out uh, Geek Each Week on YouTube uh, every Friday at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern. We talk about toys and stuff, and it's a fun time. We played dumb game shows we made up in our heads that's that's our life now (laughs) i love it (laughs) once again uh thanks to everyone and thanks to our listeners for listening to this we'll have uh one more show after this to round out the year for 2021 uh where we'll talk about the last four episodes of power rangers dino fury uh season one with ap and zach so Ranger Nation, let us know what you think. If you have questions, you can email us at rangercommandpowerhour at gmail.com or check us out at rangercommand.com or on Twitter at rangercommandph and rangercommandpowerhour, all one word on Instagram and Facebook. Once again, thanks to Callum, Roe, Ben, and Rye for joining me. And we'll catch you all on the next episode of Ranger Command. Peace Bye. out. Bye. You've been listening to the Ranger Command Power Hour, only on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You can catch a new episode every other Saturday. Find us on the Morphin Grid at www.rangercommand.com. Follow us on Twitter at RangerCommandPH. Like us on Facebook and Instagram at Ranger Command Power Hour. Ranger Command is also on Patreon. Become a patron by pledging as much or as little as you like every month and receive cool perks by pledging you are helping us make our show even better go to patreon.com slash ranger command ph to learn more thanks for listening